Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week, we're talking to Dani Paredes. Did I get anywhere close on your name? Yeah, yeah. Dani Paredes. Some people call me Dani Walls because it's a translation for the Paredes in Spanish. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. When I lived in Italy, I had people call me Bosco or Leño because my last name is Wood. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I get that. But yeah, we're going to be talking about local storage today in our Angular apps. Do you want to just introduce yourself real quick, though, before we get too far into this thing? Perfect. So I'm Dani Paredes. I'm GD in Angular. I'm working right now writing articles for Kendo, the logic company. Focus 100% in Angular. Also, I am a huge fan of the MBA. I love the NBA. Write articles in my blog. That's it. Good deal. So the Jazz is your favorite NBA team, right? Mm. Oh, you are for Jazz. I'm sorry. Are you sad right now? Yeah, I live in Utah, so. <laughs> no, no, you are sad because now the you love. Yeah, we're the, not going to uh, talk about. No, no. <laughs> this is uh, a nice. Talk. Yeah, just give away all of the. Let me finish the uh, job. Just doesn't make the whole any anyway. The future is good. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, folks. This is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about local storage and not, not the jazz because then I'll be yeah. sad. But yeah, you wrote this article about using local storage with your Angular app. And to be perfectly honest, I think for the most part, if I've done anything with local storage, it's mostly been through some other library, right? So I, you've got all of the different state management systems that kind of back onto local storage one way or the other. There's some caching stuff that goes into some form of local storage. But here you're actually just straight up using the local storage. Like you just local storage dot set item, get item. And I, I thought, yeah. oh, wow, th this is interesting. So I kind of wanted to dive in before we got too far into like kind of logistics of using local storage with Angular and just talk briefly about what local storage is, because I know that we have some listeners that are fairly new and may not be aware of, yeah, what local storage offers as far as like the, the API and the browser and what you can do with it. So can you, can you give people kind of that 10,000 foot view, that high level view of how local storage works and what it provides? And then we can dive into okay. how you use it with Angular and, and why you would want to do that. Yeah. Uh, so local storage is a part of the API, web API to store uh, data in the browser. Maybe mm -hmm. a few years ago, most of the people are using cookies. You remember? I don't know. The good old day. No, I still use cookies. Yeah, um, the people still using cookies. Well, I, I usually write in stuff in Ruby on Rails. 
and yeah. it defaults to a lot of the storage and cookies. So yeah, so but the cookies have a, a limitation. They have some, uh, some power because, for example, one great point that the, the the cookies have is you can store also in the client and also in the server. That mm-hmm. is something that you don't have when you're working with the local storage. But the local storage support in uh, hits start to using more in HTML5. He increased the size of the the storage, the data in the in the client side. This is the only thing that I will like. I don't know how we can face it, but the limit only limitation that I, I found in the the use local storage is the only work in the browser. But the great point they have is the is more secure and also they permit or allow to store a huge amount of information in the client side. Right. So are there any limitations to what you can store there? Or is, I mean, are you limited to text? Can you store like binary data in there? How, how does that all work? Yeah. One of the things that the limitation, I say at the beginning, is the size of the data. Because uh, right. if I know wrong right now, is the local storage support 10, 10 megabytes and the session only five. I don't know the, the specific number right now, but you can store the data, but also you, you, you can transform to JSON the data. Mm-hmm. And you have keepers values to get the data. Another good point is that the local storage has two two main points: that the session and the local storage. So, but they are sharing the same API. That this is the the, the easy thing that they, I feel when you start to play with the with the local storage. Okay, makes sense. So, I mean, a lot of the other systems that are using local storage, you know, as we said before, you know, they they kind of paper over a lot of the the low level stuff and effectively then it's got a reducer or, you know, something that actually will transform data and stick it in or pull it out or, you know, yeah. make sure that it's up to date when I make API calls and stuff like that. But you went you went straight for the kind of the low level API. So when when would you do that? When would you actually decide, OK, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to stick data into the local storage API. And why would you do that instead of maybe using some of these other systems or libraries? Well, uh, I prefer to use the the, the API direct, directly because it's easy. It's, it's the mm-hmm. same for also uh, for the local and also for the session. So if you learn one, you can use both. But one of the key points that, for example, the local storage uh, help a lot for, for you to cache in the, in the client side. Um, for example, I don't know, if you want to cache some HTTP response, you can use the, 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 the local storage or the session storage to, to keep the data and you speed up a lot your, your application. Right. So, so effectively also, what you're saying is, is if I make a request to the back end, I get some data, I store it in the the local storage. And then instead of having to go out over the network and yeah. get the data again, I can just pull it out of local storage. Yeah. For example, the common, when you are as a filter or you know that you will get the same the same response, so you store some of the data um, for the search. So you have a search, you know that mm-hmm. you are getting data with some filter, like give me all the teams that are from, from the S, the response will be the same. So I store this data in the local storage or the session storage, whatever you want. And when the user again try to do the same request, you instead to back to the server, you create from the local storage. Right. But doesn't NGRX and other systems like that, doesn't that kind of do yeah. a lot of that for you? Yeah, they, the RxJS help a lot for, for this kind of stuff. But of course, when I, I did an example using the local storage, I, I, I highly focused to trying to explain to the people what works behind or how you can maybe don't need to add RxJS in your application or, or start to play with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
So, so yeah. So then, and there was a lot in that article. It, it was interesting to me too. I'm just curious because I've talked to and worked with a bunch of people from Telerik in the past. And I, I saw that this blog post was on Telerik's blog. Do you work for them or do you work for someone else? No, I work as a freelancer for them. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I write some articles when I have time. So, but gotcha. always focusing on Angular. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, I play cool. everything. So one of the examples that you gave, and I thought this was kind of cool, was that uh, you effectively allowed the user to set the background image. And since the local storage doesn't, I mean, unless you clear the data in your browser, it'll persist between sessions. And so, you know, I could set it to be a really, really heinous yeah, uh, you need to be clear. Yeah, the example was very basic because I say, okay, let me to, for example, you want to have uh, keep the preference on some page, for example, you want, okay, I mm-hmm. want to keep these filters in my application. But you need to be careful if you use all session storage or local storage because the local storage you for 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 expire the the the, the content or the or the information in the browser only can happen if you do that using the uh, writing your code or the user go and clean the, the, clean the cache and, and the data right. in the browser. But in, with the session storage, you only have when the, for example, when the tab close, the, the information mm-hmm. is gone. So this is important to keep this difference when you start to play with one or other. In my example, I save the information in the local storage because I want to the, the, the user have the same behavior and experience in the application every time he comes to them. Yeah, that makes sense. So if if I wanted to store something in the session session storage, do I just call session storage dot set item instead of local storage dot set item? Is that the difference as far as the API goes? Yeah, they have the, the, this the same method for 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 every. Okay. You have the same API in don't care if it's a session storage or local storage. Gotcha. And then yeah, but, the oh, other oh, thing you oh go ahead. Don't go. No, no, go go. The other thing you pointed out was that if I wanted to store something a little more complicated than, say, a string that represents the background color, right? I have an object that, yeah. you know, sets so a whole when, bunch of stuff, then I, I convert that to JSON and stick it in, right? Yeah, you need to play with JSON with string, Stringify to convert the data and play with that and parse the data when you get the data from the local storage. So this is the, when you, because by default, you, you only can, uh, you only can store string values, but for example, you say you, I have an object with the, all the user preference, the color, the name, the for example, some mm-hmm. element check it. So, so you need to convert stringify your your object and parse when you want to return to the play with that in JavaScript. I got you. So what you're telling me is that it's not some kind of native data structure; it's just a string. So if I want to jam, yeah, user preferences in there. I can do that, but it's going to store a string that's formatted as JSON. And then if I want to change any of those, I'll have to pull it back out, parse it from JSON back into an object, modify the object, and then parse it back to JSON and stick it back in. Yeah, it's true. Okay. I mean, JavaScript's good at that stuff, so I'm not that concerned by it, but it's good to know. Yeah, and and also I I think that if you want to give a good user experience in terms of the to remember stuff that you want to want to do, do that fast, use the, the, the local store API. It's, it's easy. So yeah. So yeah. So we've kind of gotten into this a little bit and talked a little mm-hmm. bit about local storage and how that all works. Are there any performance or other concerns with using this, or is it is it pretty fast and pretty easy to do? Because it looks like it's pretty simple. Yeah. The this is the point I said at the beginning. The API is the same. 
The only thing that, as you say, is when you want to play with, with complex objects that you want to, hey, I need to stringify and convert everything else. But if you want to just remove one single item, it's very easy because you have uh, you can find by keys, you can clear all the stuff with, with a single method. So the API is very, very powerful and easy for, for, for new, new people that want to play with that. Very cool. Hey, folks, I'm here with JD from Raygun. JD, I mean, it seems like a lot of things these days are kind of pushing us more toward productivity, right? We install VS Code extensions. We do CICD. We kind of get this stuff off our plate, automate as much as we can, and move quickly. And one of the tools that I tell people to get is something like Raygun. Uh, Do you want to just explain real quick how Raygun can help with the productivity? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's several fold. I like to think of Raygun as... um, almost being like a full-time engineer on your team that's keeping an eye on things and is able to report the important faults or performance bottlenecks so that you aren't guessing. Um, and so that's one element. But then to that point where we store is all of the data we possibly can uh, on the context of the error or performance issue so that you know we integrate with source control systems, you can jump into our APM and get method-level timing details with the source code right beside it. So if you're looking at it going, why is this page so slow? You know, um, you can usually just eyeball the code right there and then. So speeding everything up, which I think is really important with, you know, our industry is under so much pressure right now. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we've got to try and get people being more efficient because we, we're not going to have a whole lot more people suddenly. Right. Absolutely. And I, I just I love that idea. I've done plenty of optimizations myself. Right. And having an APM tool that will actually say, yeah, uh, this is the slow code. Right. So instead of me trying to guess or look at it and go, oh, do I have an N plus one query here? Yeah, it just tells me where the problem is. And that's really powerful in something like Raygun or... Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Iron Man. And, and you know, the, the, the idea is that I would love a virtual Jarvis that's just going, hey, there's this <laughs> thing. Do you want me to go fix this? Do you want me to solve yeah. that? It's like, that, that's what we need to get to. Yep, absolutely. Well, if you want uh, the next best thing, go to raygun.com. Yeah, it's not Jarvis, but it it will tell you where the problem is so you can go fix it. You can get a free trial right now if you want. It's raygun.com. So then how do you start doing this with Angular? You kind of give some, uh, you get you have an example here, but yeah, do you want to just kind of walk through how you start loading this into Angular so that, yeah, when stuff happens, you're you're good to go? Well, for example, you can, you can uh, call the, the localized storage object in whatever place that you want. For example, if you have a, comp- a single component that the way user start the logging and you want to keep the name or some stuff, you can call the uh, localized store API in whatever moment that you want in the in the component. Right. So for example, you've got in your example, you've got the ng on init that yeah. basically, you know, loads in Yeah, in, in the ng on init, for example, I, I tried to the in the, in, Yeah, I set the default values only to to have a experience from the beginning. But when the user, uh, for example, click in, in some place in the application to change the, the color, let me to open right now because I, mm-hmm. I did this a few months ago. You pick in the, in the color picker, you change the color, I update the background, but at the same time, I update the, my, my local storage value. And also in the yeah. example, I give an option to the user remove the preference to restart and, you, and just clean up everything in the, in the local storage. Yeah, it makes sense. So yeah, so effectively, yeah, whenever you have those uh, events that occur, right, and they they call yeah. back into the 
programming in the component, then it, it goes into the component and it, yeah, it, it either pulls the, and when you set it up, it's interesting because I said that it sets the default, but what it actually does when I'm looking at the code is it checks the local storage to see if it has a key for that background mm-hmm. color. And if yeah. it does, it loads that. And then if it doesn't, then it goes to the default. And so, yeah, as Angular sets up that component, it'll automatically pull out the stuff that was remembered in your browser, which is pretty cool. Yeah, maybe we can refactor a little bit. Maybe you can create a service that only provides this functionality and you leave your component more clean or yeah. with, uh, with too much responsibility. But for the example, and to show the, the how you can play with the local storage and session storage is... It's okay. Yeah, you could definitely set up a service, right? That, yeah, went to the back end and said, what background color do they like? And yeah, that yeah, makes or, sense. Or you can load the, the the initial colors from the API and the, the service state is a responsibility. Mm-hmm. So your component don't need to take care about every single stuff only with the behavior of the user. Right. Yeah. This is maybe cool. a, a good refactor <laughs> to do. Yeah. Well, I mean that that's a I think that's something that I would leave to the the user, right? It's like, hey, try this, right? I am a little bit interested. Are are you actually doing this anywhere on the apps that you build? Yeah, the the, the reason is uh um the main reason uh, comes because my my kids sometimes open the browser and have some page, but you know the the white background that's happened. But mm-hmm. I have a, a small application for him for uh, the math for learn the uh, math basic stuff. Mm-hmm. But of course, when I did the application, the background is white by default. I lay I leave to hey, okay, you can change the background, and when you are doing your your homework at uh, without too much light, you can put a color without burn your eyes. <laughs> and when the oh, application okay. start again, he remember the, the the color but also in the in the company we did something for the for the users want to set up some landing page that they want to create a good behavior when the people remember the, the preference yeah that makes sense <laughs> and it is nice when you go into an app and it whatever you've set up it remembers what it's supposed to do yeah the only for example the only weakness i or other weakness for example is only in your machine if tomorrow i go to the to use other machine, the experience is not the same because right. it's only stored in the in the browser. So this is the, the the limitation that I feel that you give the same experience, but only if he continue using the same machine. Right, that makes sense, and that's where that service comes in, right? Where you have some backend setting that it can access, right? And so it might go to the default for a second while it uses that service to grab the data but then it can cache it on the new machine. Yeah. Yeah, this is but if if I if I want to do that with the server, of course you store the, the right. configuration of the user and when the application starts up, you load the, the preference of the user. Right. That makes sense. Better than, than use the local storage. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, th- this is cool. Is there a good way to test it? Do you have to do end-to-end testing on it because it uses the browser functionality? Yeah, this is a something that we we can test because we can read uh, some some values from the browser storage, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Is there a way? I've, I've always, I guess, I haven't really done a whole lot with it, but yeah, is there a way to kind of mock out the local storage if you're just running tests yeah. in like yeah you, without you, a front end? Yeah, you, when I play with the testing, of course, now I'm more focusing the in I use a I use an 
Angular testing library that I don't test too much stuff in the real browser. You know, that is only right. how the, the, the user play with the, with the component in my case. But of course, I need to trust that the local storage works. If not, right, <laughs> we are in problem. No, that makes sense as far as, yeah, just assuming that the local storage works. But my, I guess my question would be, you know, just you mock out the storage and then you mock out the DOM and then you yeah. could conceivably test your app component as far as like, and, and with these, it's, it's rather simple, right? And you're blog post is simple enough to where I, I don't know i mean it feels like overkill to do all that work but if it was really involved and in pulling multiple values and then updating multiple other values and the the use case got a little bit hairier i could see it where it's okay if these are all the settings in the uh, local storage then these are all the transformations that it should ask for in the in the dom yeah this is something that I right now I don't because I told you uh, I trust that the, the, the local store API need to mm-hmm. work. So for for the we need to mock everything. Um, maybe with yes we we create a mock for for all the the local store API methods and just return some mock values. Yep. Yep. Cool. So are there more complicated use cases that you're using this for, or? Well, before maybe when when you we don't have full support in, in all the browser, but now. That mm-hmm. maybe a few years ago, when you, when when Safari do some things that don't work as expected, but now if you go to the to the website, I don't remember the name to to check if some feature is ready. All the all the browsers supported. I I think the only browser that doesn't support local storage is Opera Mini. It's the only one. But of course, the the amount of the user is very short. Right. Very small. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, I mean, I think we've pretty well covered this. I'm a little curious to get to know you a little bit before we wrap up. So what's your story? How did you get into Angular and become a GDE? This is uh, not a large story, but something that I didn't expect. I'm starting writing articles about Angular, like a place for put my my mistake first and also mm-hmm. my my learning process but more focused because i am you remember dory in the movie that forget everything uh-huh yeah this is okay this i am <laughs> so i start to use the blog as my play for okay i need to do that but i started to to write article with all the steps like explained for for me for read in the future one friend invite me to why well, i think it's when he was part in the Angular Adventures, invited maybe maybe four mm-hmm. months ago, Lars from uh-huh. this is Angular yep. community. Yeah, he invited yep. me. Hey, you want to publish some content here? I get a surprise because we say, oh, really? You think my content have real value? <laughs> it's just my my experience. He started to invite me to 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 continue writing for them. I continue writing everything that I was learning and playing with that, and uh, when I doing my job. And um, this year, I get the invitation to, to I, I, I was nominated to, to GDE. I didn't expect that. Uh, I say, you, you think that I can be GDE? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh my God. Oh, I know Lars is a very smart guy. And <laughs> all the people that I know GDE are, are machine, but that's it. And they say, no, no, the, your, the work that you're doing, writing content, focusing Angular. And also I have another blog, ngcontent.com. is mm-hmm. right. It's this uh, is article for community leaders, Angular community leaders, translated from English to Spanish. Because, for example, 
good content like uh, micro front-end content. You right. have a lot, a lot content, good content in English, but not in Spanish. For example, oh, the, cool. the, the people from Angular Architects, I don't know if you know who, who, who is, they are doing a great job explaining everything about a micro front-end stuff and testing all the power of the directive, very good co advanced content in Angular mm -hmm. is not translated yet in Spanish. Also, the official documentation don't have too much content in, in Spanish. That so and this, is a, and this is the reason that you start to create uh, ngcontent.com and content, for example, some, I don't know, Lars or other GDs that for me say, okay, this content helped me to solve my job. I need to provide them to Spanish people. And this is the, one of the main reasons that all my journey to, to become GD. That is cool. I've talked to a number of people in various communi communities that have this same problem, right? And yeah, I tend to talk to people that speak fluent English, right? And not so, because I mean, I, I speak two languages. I speak English and I speak Italian. Um, oh. And so, you know, the, the fluency with some of these other languages, I mean, I can kind of get the gist of what people are saying in Spanish, but yeah. I've talked to a lot of people. They're like, yeah, well, me and like two other guys I work with, we're fluent enough in English to where we can look at a blog post or listen to a podcast and understand what they're talking about. But a lot of our other coworkers, friends in the community and stuff who are doing this work, yeah, they don't have content in their native language, you know, be it French yeah. or Spanish or whatever. And so, yeah, I love the idea of doing some kind of, yeah, language translation and stuff like that. Yeah, so. and the key that, of that is not to translate content because we have a lot of people in Spanish create content of Angular, but most of the basic stuff, like how you right. play with NG4, how you can for example, create a component, how you learn state management, but for example, the power of the directive, how you can do with the directive in Angular, or right. advanced concept about uh, testing, for example, testing library, don't have too much content in, mm -hmm. in, in Spanish. I spend time to, to translate content for testing library for Angular specific in right. Spanish. Yeah, but, but Jarvis, one of the main reasons for also for, for translate to Spanish is because five years ago, I can't talk in anything in English. Right. I improve my English, create content, talking with the people, and don't be shy to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've run into that too with the podcast as well, where we'll have somebody who wrote a terrific article, but they're not confident right. enough in their ability to actually talk about it in English to come on the podcast. And so, yeah, I mean, anything we can do to kind of open up these doors and give people opportunities to share what they're doing, share what they know, be it to a community that, yeah, doesn't speak English or, you know, to come and share what they're doing here so that we can raise the profile, their profile among people they can make a difference for. I, I just, I, I love all that stuff. So, yeah. I know. Thank you. Because uh, you have opened the, 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 the this podcast because I saw that, other Dev Pato was here a few months ago. I got the surprise. Mm -hmm. Oh, Pato was here. For, I need to be there. <laughs> yep. So, so, yeah. I had a friend in college, by the way, whose name was Pato. It was Patricio, mm -hmm. but it was Pato. Yeah, Patricio. Patricio Vargas. Yeah. Pato. Well, we, we, <laughs> called him, we called him Duck because I guess yeah, Pato duck. is the Spanish word for Duck. Yeah, anyway. Duck. <laughs> Patricio Pato. Duck. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, let's go ahead and uh, start wrapping up here. Before we do that, though, yeah, where, where do people find you? So you have the, was it angularcontent.com? Is that what you said? Yeah, uh, the, the Spanish content is, is ngcontent.com. Also, dannywalls.com is in, in English. Focus on uh -huh. most of my content is in English. And also in Twitter, dannywalls. That's it. Awesome. 
Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, Go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. All right, well, let's go ahead and do picks and then we'll wrap up. You sound like you've listened to the show, so you, you get the gist of picks. And if you don't, then you'll figure it out as I kind of do mine. So lately, I have been uh, picking board games. I'm kind of a nut for board games. I really, really enjoy them playing with my friends. The problem is, is that I don't always know off the top of my head which board games I've already picked. So I'm going to go to an old standby that I'm pretty sure I haven't picked on this show. It's relatively simple game, but it gets kind of complicated as you go. It's called Quirkle, and it's spelled with a Q-W, Quirkle, Q-W-I-R-K-L-E. And you, you have wooden tiles, and what you do is you you line them up either by color or shape, and they have to, you, you can't have two of the exact same tile or shape in the same set, basically, which is either a row or a column that, that are all connected. They're all set next to each other. So anyway, if you get, so there's six different color or six different, yeah, six different colors and six different shapes. And so if you get all six in a row, then you get a quirkle. Quirkles are worth 12 points. Otherwise, you get points according to their placement and how many new rows or columns you made, right? So if if there were four tiles that all went together and you added the fifth, you would get five points. But if you could add two tiles that sit next to those, right, so that they're both in a row and a column, you know, with the other tiles and to, with each other, then you count all of the new rows and columns, so you would count some of those tiles twice. And so you get you get more points by uh, lining up more shapes or colors. It On Board Game Geek, it's weighted at a 1.61. Um, <laughs> so what that means is out of five, five's like super complex, lots of pieces, all kinds of stuff. This is a relatively simple game to play. I mean, this is a game, my six-year-old knows her colors and shapes she has for years. And so she could learn how to play this game, right? Pretty quickly. That That's kind of how I rate them in my head, right? So 1.61 is one that I can play with my youngest child. The twos are kind of pushing it for her, but like my 10-year-old can play them, right? And then the threes, you know, it's my teenagers and, and up, right? But yeah, this this is a fun one. We've played it. My family has played it like my mom and sisters and brothers, you know, we'll play it together and it's fun. You can play up to four players. Games go pretty fast unless people are really puzzling out what they can do or want to do. But yeah, it, it's it's a fun game. So I'm going to pick Quirkle. And yeah, then I've been attending an online conference called Funnel Hacking Live Encore. And the Encore is just, they're replaying all the talks from the in-person conference they held in Orlando. And it's been amazing. It's a marketing conference. <laughs> So if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, 
oh, it's a conference he liked. It's not a tech conference. It's a marketing conference. But I'm really, really enjoying it. It's giving me all kinds of ideas of things that I can put together for folks out there in the community to help you all with your careers, because that's what I'm about. And yeah, that's pretty much it. We're going to do an Angular conference in December. And so if you're interested, I will uh, drop the link to the conference and the CFP. And then, yeah, we're putting together some other stuff like book clubs and stuff. So if you want, if you want more information, uh, just go to topendevs.com. Just check it out periodically. I am working on adding things in so that you'll either, you can get notifications in different ways, email or browser pop-up notifications or whatever. So yeah, so keep an eye out for that as well. And yeah, those are my picks. Danny, what are your picks? Well, uh, <laughs> I get surprised about the, the, the game. <laughs> awesome. But no, I told you in, in, in my free time, for example, I am, I play with my friends because I told you I am a huge fan of NBA and I'm starting uh-huh. to compare the, the, the people or the, or the developers with the NBA players. Oh, I gotcha. Ah, uh, yeah. It's like, okay, uh, this guy is like Iverson. He's Iverson programmer. Because uh-huh. he take the the problem along, um, don't don't send any task to nobody because he want to do all the stuff by himself. Right. And we start to compare. This is something I do with my with my friends when we start to play. Like, okay, today let's check the team and put the NBA player for each of them. And for example, say, oh no, this guy is like Team Duncan. This guy is mm-hmm. calm. He's work. He don't expect to be the guy with more pull requests is you want to, the things is done. <laughs> so that is yep. a, uh, something I do with my with my friend in in board time. Yeah, makes sense. I, <laughs> I don't dare ask who the LeBron James or Michael Jordan of uh, Angular are. Uh, 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 <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is a good topic for, for, for him. But right, right. I, I, you know, you it's not a good out, topic. Right? I live both because I watch NBA from ninety, so I, I live uh-huh. some good moment of Jordan, but also I live the full time of of the right. LeBron. So yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe Mishko is uh, Michael Jordan because uh, Michael yeah. Jordan retired from basketball and went and played baseball, and Mishko <laughs> is now working on Quick. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mishko is like Jordan because he now right. he's, yeah he back to play, but with Quick. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anyway, no, but. We have a, a good people in the in the Angular community that sometimes oh, I compare sure with the NBA. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, say, we got a lot okay, of good it, people. Yeah. So, All right, sure. good deal. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, this was really fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, thank you for coming. Thank you, Chad, for the opportunity. Yeah, until next time, folks, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.